Welcome to Industry Town. Today's guest is the fantastic casting director, Michael Testa. I met Michael auditioning for Cold Case back when I was just starting out. And since then, uh, Michael has worked on tons of series. He's cast well over 30 films. And Michael was kind enough to stop by and answer all my questions and talk about all things auditioning in 2020. So that's a lot on self-tapes, a little on social media. Um, One of my favorite topics was how to best foster relationships with casting when in-person auditions don't really exist that much anymore. And a whole lot more stuff. So a big thank you to Michael for stopping by. But first, before the episode, I want to announce the first Industry Town Oscar contest. We're going to be giving away some really cool prizes for those of you who guess the most right Oscar winners. All you got to do is send in a complete ballot to industrytownpodcast at gmail.com before the start of the Oscar telecast, and you have a chance to win some really cool prizes, including a session with a headshot truck, uh, a free month of tool shop at JRS, what? Uh, audition coachings and more. So check out Industry Town on Instagram and Facebook for all the details on the contest and the prizes. Lastly, if you're enjoying the show, uh, please take a minute to go on to the iTunes website and rate and review us. Please, that would be just the most awesome thing in the world. It actually legit really helps make the show get a wider audience and uh, would mean the world to me if you could take a moment and do that. So thank you so much for that. And now enough of that, on to the show. And here is Michael Testa. Lock it up, very quiet and still. Ready. Scene one, take three, A mark. Welcome Hello. to Hello. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for Appreciate being it. here. Yeah, this is going to be fun. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. You are the first casting director on the podcast. Really? Yeah. How long have you been going? We started, oh, I started in September. Um, and I'm the first one? First one. Well, mostly wow. it started with a lot of actors right up right, front, right. Um, teachers, and then there was a big push on filmmakers, writers, etc. And I was kind of doing some I reflection. And I quickly got about 20 episodes out, and I was thinking, okay, there's a couple areas that I need to address that we need yes, to get Yes, address the one area that actually help actors get exactly. <laughs> jobs. Yeah, yeah, I think no. it's going to be helpful. I think it's going to be quite helpful. Right, right. So, um, big thing for me, mm-hmm. when I started out, I started out really young, mm-hmm. and I realized later- I'm old enough to remember. Ah, don't, <laughs> don't age me, please. Um, but I realized I thought of casting directors a little bit like the principal. A little bit. I was. I realized there was some fear. There was. I don't know some, if I like that analogy, but go ahead. I don't think it's good. <laughs> right. No, I think it's actively bad to right. be honest. But it was some idea that like you have the answers. You're going to be the person to tell me whether I'm like in line or out of line. And I realized I didn't see like a person. Right. It, right. I saw the title. I saw someone who was going to tell me whether I did a good job or a bad job, and it definitely affected how you went into the room and how you performed in an audition. Absolutely. One hundred percent. I mean, my big thing is I think that uh, it's beneficial for actors to sort of demystify the casting process, that it's all part of, we're all in the same game, we're all in the same boat. We want an end result, we want a great project. So to that end, when you walk into the room, it's more, I think actors should look at it as more of a collaborative effort because that's my view of it. I'm trying to hopefully get you to be part of this project, and yeah. then we can work together. Hopefully, our minds are in sync. Um, I never understood 
the fear of casting. I know it's out there. I don't think I don't. I'm not saying that it's not true. I understand. I, I've heard the horror stories from actors in regards to casting directors. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them I know to be true, but on the flip side, we have a bunch of horror stories about actors. I'm sure you do. <laughs> when people talk to me about like, well, why why are we not supposed to do this in a room, or why are these rules? I'm thinking. Think about what must have happened in some room for someone to say, "Don't bring in a prop." Don't listen. I mean, yes, I get, the, I get the hard and fast rules. I don't. But you have to understand, casting is very personable. So it's probably if there's rules, it's probably set to that casting office. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty laid back for the most part. Like, I get why people like don't want to shake hands because it's cold and colds are you know transmitted by touch. I personally don't get it. I, you know, I think that a casting office, I'm welcoming somebody into my home. So I would just greet somebody naturally who comes to my house. Yeah, warmly. Warmly, yeah. So I don't understand that. I think that sometimes some of the rules set up by casting are a little out of whack, quite frankly. Fair enough. Um, But, you know, I don't think you should look at that as sort of a wall you have to conquer or a, you know, an obstacle. I think a lot of people... It's like, oh, they're eccentric. There you go. What are you going to do? You know? <laughs> a lot of people are going to be relieved to hear that. Yeah. So where I want to start, because I love that you said demystify. The other word that I really wanted was to like humanize. Humanize. I want to like just get to know you a little bit Uh-oh. better. So tell me, like, how did... how? <laughs> well, there's no degree in casting. It's no, not like when not. I was in drama school, people said that's something that people can do. So how, how did you find yourself in Los Angeles being a casting director? Uh, quite by accident, quite uh, frankly. Um, first of all, I think casting is one of those jobs that everybody kind of knows about. And once you get in it, it's also one of those jobs that people think they can just kind of do. Yeah. You know, oh, well, get that guy. You know, my mother's like, oh, how come you didn't get Brad Pitt for that role? I'm, I was like, oh, okay, that's really easy to I'll do. I'll call Brad. Yeah, we call him right now and get him on board. He's got a big opening um, schedule. And even like, but I think even people within the industry that don't know, I, I find a lot of people in the industry don't know what's involved in casting. Producers and even directors don't understand the level of work that casting directors do in order to even get you five or six people in a room. So what it's is some so of that work that people don't understand? Checking availabilities, making sure people are available. You know, don't forget you set up, uh, let's say I set up 100 self-tape appointments. Okay. I get 50. Really? Yes. You only get 50 tapes. Yes. And some people don't explain why. Some people do explain why. You know, you know, people not available or they're passing. But a lot of times I get people who just don't even respond. Do you like the self-tapes? Uh, yes and no. Uh, I used to do them kicking and screaming. Okay. Uh, I think what it loosens, lessens is the personability in a room. I don't get... To, it dehumanizes the whole process a little bit. I don't get to see somebody in the room. I don't get to feel their energy. I'm a very energy-based casting director in terms okay. of I like to sort of mix energies on a project. So I don't get that. However, organizational and business-wise, it's really easy. <laughs> I mean, it's really cuts down a lot of time. And that makes sense. As an as an actor on the other side, I there's parts of it I like. I mean, I get to make sure that the performance I want to give is the is one that right. you get. You get a chance to do it over and over again until you're happy with it. Yeah, and make sure that what I wanted to do is actually reading in that first moment. But I'll tell you, I feel like I know casting directors less. Yeah, I feel do. like I have, and, and you probably do. I mean, that's that was a big part of like, oh, I have a relationship with yes. this person, yes. and that that relationship will carry me to a job at some point and we will build this thing together. Well, quite frankly, but instead of looking at that as a, I guess, a negative, I think 
you need to sort of turn that around and figure out, okay, in this day and age, with the age of self-tapes, how do I establish those connections with cast directors? And quite frankly, it's almost how we establish or reconnect via Instagram. Yes. You know, I think that's, people have a weird thing of using social media or Instagram as a way to to get themselves known to put their faces in front of a casting director. And I, I think it's a tool that you should use, quite frankly. Okay, so speak on this, because in my Wednesday night acting class, I will not name the actor, but okay. there is a very talented young man in his early 20s. And when I say you need to be on Instagram and you need to use this as a way to, it's a platform to express yourself and it is a way to connect right. and get your name out there. And he's like, do I have to? What would you tell that guy? Uh, I would say yes. You know, I never look on social media for a role. I never say, oh, I need this this type of role, and then go on, on, on social media and start searching for actors. That, mm-hmm. that never happens. What happens is, because personally I'm on it a fair amount of time, just sort of, you know, you scroll through pictures, you're on Facebook, you know, mm-hmm. sort of the, the way people interact these days. When I'm on it, sometimes they'll say, oh, wait a minute, what about Brian for that role? It's almost like the modern day postcard. Yeah. You just want to put your face in front of people. It's a reminder. It's a reminder. But there's a double. There's another double-edged sword of that is that you have to understand that in this business, perception is reality. <laughs> so whatever you post is going to be how people th- uh, think of you. That's what they're going to think of you. It'll create the brand. If you post pictures every day in a pink shirt, you're going to be the guy in the pink shirt. Yes. That's how people are going to start viewing you. And if you don't want to be that way, don't post pictures of the pink shirt. Every We're day. both wearing pink shirts right now, actually. Kind of, actually. This is my first time wearing this shirt, this too. This is like my third. Okay, yeah. okay. Well, we're getting I don't, know, I don't know how happy I am about either choice of color <laughs> or choice of pinks, but... Uh, well, touche. We can, we can get into <laughs> that in a little bit. Um, so... I've heard, I feel like a lot of people have that certain times when it's coming down to a role that social media following can play some role in that. Is that true? Is that overblown? Is that passe? I I think it's overblown. Um, I could see as a producer, if I have two people I love equally and somebody's on social media and they have 40,000 followers and someone's got 400, just in a business sense, it it could... uh, raise awareness of whatever project I'm doing. Mm-hmm. You know, so I send one tweet out instead of hitting, you know, 40 people, it's going to hit 40,000. That's a big difference. That I can matters. see it swaying somebody in that mind. But I can honestly say I've never chosen an actor based on social media stats. Um, I did a, a TV show for a, a network, uh, Freeform, and we had hired two of the biggest social media entities that were out there at the time and you know their top 10 and I don't know Hollywood Reporter mm-hmm. or whatever it really didn't move the needle ratings wise I don't think anybody's still proven that translates somebody's following to actual seats in a theater or actual right you know I don't I don't I don't haven't seen that data I feel like the the benefit is what you were already talking about modern postcard but it's also people it, it's just a way to express yourself it's practice totally and I and I and, and, the, and again the flip side of that I don't I don't understand people's like bias against social media personalities. Why? Some can act, some can't act. Same thing with like athletes. I think it's a lot of jealousy too. Some athletes, you know, just feel the same way about athletes or models or where, you know, we used to, in the past find some of the, some actors. It's, who cares? Try them out. If they can act, great. If they can't, then you move on. <laughs> is it just Instagram? Is it Twitter, Facebook? Are you on TikTok? Like, wh- how much of this I don't is- even know what TikTok is. TikTok seems like a lot of work to me. So I, I agree, but I feel like I have to learn. I don't, as I, I, I'm, not, I'm not going down that road, but I'm, I'm on Instagram and Facebook and, and 
Twitter. If people want to find you on Instagram, uh-huh. uh, what's the what's the handle? Uh, oh, Michael Testa Casting. There it is. I think that's yeah, what I think it is. it's Michael. Testa I have Casting. two. That's why I've got to think about it. Michael Testa Casting. The technique, the the techniques and the, the minutia of it all, I'm I'm not good at. But so you're not posting stories with. Links I post. And... I try to post every day. Quite frankly, I don't. I I don't, I don't post links. I don't. I, I don't One know how to do it. One thing I like is it humanizes you. What I, I I did not know that you are. You love to cook. I love to cook. Mm-hmm. Like I, I learned uh, from your social media that you think The Shining is like one of the greatest movies uh, it, ever made. It, it is the greatest movie That's, ever made. There's the argument. Okay, uh, why is it the greatest movie ever made? It's just brilliant. It's first of all, it's the movie that sort of launched me to work in the entertainment industry. When I watched it, uh, I just think it's masterful. The, the acting, the over the topness, the many themes of. I, I mean, I've seen it over two hundred times, and every time I watch it, I feel like I've seen something new. Fantastic. Yeah, it's great. Uh, if you were going to cook one meal for somebody, oh God, here we go. Well, what's the know. most recent one? What's like right now? The flavor du jour. Cook? Yeah, if you were going to cook something to like just you know share a piece of you with somebody, I, but that's hard because I I cook every <laughs> cooking my passion. If I could give it all to open up a restaurant, I probably would. But um, it's like for a chef. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I've just been a lot. Uh, this sort of seafood Thai seafood and grits thing that I do. And, Ooh. Uh, down to like meatballs are really good. Yeah, so okay, so kind of across I, I went the down board. to a couple of interviews in Top Chef back in season two. Whoa, quite frankly. there it is, there trivia right yeah, there. Yeah, trivia right there. So let's circle back. How did you end up in casting? Uh, I literally drove out here from New Jersey with no job, no, and not anything. I studied film and TV for years before that in high school and in college. Um, went to Northwestern. You know. If I want to be in the middle, if I want to do entertainment business, I have to be in the middle of it, and which is L.A. And I, I still believe it still is the center of the entertainment industry. Um, so I just drove out here, no job, and basically, I think like the third day, fourth day here, I answered an ad in the trades of I think it was Variety. They used to have one ads. Yep. And there was a, a TV production house called Stephen Cannell Productions, which at that time had like eight or nine shows on the air. Okay. Something ridiculous. This is just one that was three networks. Make networks, four Fox, um, and they were looking for a casting intern. So, so I what, went and you as know, an intern, what would you what would you do then? I mean, is this like opening well, headshots well, and resumes? Yeah, kind of opening mail. You know, all the, the usual stuff. You know, answering phones for the the they had they had an in house casting department which had, I'd say, seven or eight casting directors. In it, and then a head of casting. His name was Simon Eyre, and I think a lot of it was for me to sort of babysit Simon. Okay. Because um, one of the reasons, why, oh my god, if he hears this, he's going to kill me. But uh, one of the reasons why is apparently he made the last intern was not a good situation. So the lady who hired me wanted somebody who could stand up to him, and I'm not. I'm not. I am no shrinking violet, and. Um, we could title the episode that. No yeah, I think one of the reasons why she hired me, I don't think it was anything to do with my resume or my skill or knowledge. I mean, what I could do was the fact that I probably would stand up to him if he ever kind of, you know, tried to insult me. And the thing about Simon is he has an amazing sense of humor. It's really dry. And to this day, we're still friends. Oh, amazing. Yeah, so it's it's it worked out really well. So The first one I saw on IMDb for you was L.A. Law. Is that- I was an associate with Simon. Simon, Simon and his now wife, Beth, Heimsenair, who was another casting director, were both the casting directors on the show the the last season. 
Okay. And and uh, myself and the late Peggy Kennedy, who was fantastic, uh, were both associates on the show. So it was. L.A. Law, I don't, I mean, I was very, very young, but my memory of that was my parents watching it and loving it and them wanting, being thrilled if we wanted to sit with them and it being this experience of like, oh, we're all going to get together and share an experience. experience. Both my parents were lawyers and so they enjoyed that. So they, yeah, really liked it. And that's, I mean, David Kelly goes on from there and I became a huge fan of like Ali McBeal later. But that show always just feels like family warmth. To yeah. me, and so seeing that, I was like, "Oh, what a lovely place!" I mean, to I start. wish I was on that show longer. It was only it was only one year. Yeah. Um, it was a good year. I I, I I remember having fond memories of that year. Just sort of fun. Everybody was very nice, obviously. And there's a, an ease to a show that's late, um, you know, seventh year or something like that. That sort mm-hmm. of it becomes kind of rote. There's no trying to figure out logistics of casting. It just sort of ran very smoothly and. I was, it was it was fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so explain uh, for anyone who might not understand. Like you said, you were an intern. We know that there's casting uh, assistants, casting associates, casting directors. Mm-hmm. How's that hierarchy work? It's like any other sort of, I guess, technical job. You just you know, once you have the the intern who's probably the lowest on a totem pole anywhere, and then you have the assistant who does basically more. Um, logistical kind of stuff and supports, you know, making copies, answering phones, lists, you know, just you know, typing and all that stuff. Then you graduate to an associate. We have a little bit more ability. Um, and depending upon the casting director, it depends on how much the associate has to do. Sometimes okay. they run sessions. Sometimes they come up with ideas. And the casting director just sort of oversees everything. Um, I still love the nitty gritty of casting in terms of, you know, I like to do my pre-reads myself, I, yeah. I, and I'm a little bit of a control freak, so it kind of enters into that. Fair enough. So um, it takes a while for me to let go of the control. Like, but when I have a, fas- uh, a fantastic associate, the last one I had was um, Kim McCollum, um, mm-hmm. who is fantastic and great, and I was just letting her sort of do run, run, run a show, basically. So. I mean, that's a lot of trust at that Yeah, point. well, she's fantastic, so. And then we sort of did some stuff together as casting directors later on, so. How many years does it kind of take to graduate from one to the next? In- it's, you know, never know. You never know. It's it's it's, it's a crapshoot. It's like anything else, you know. It's like, how do you, you know, become a co-star actor, a guest star actor to, like, the lead? You know? Sure. It just, sometimes it happens. It's luck. You know, I was an assistant for a while. I did some little bit of casting on my own, just sort of to, to keep things going, and then I was became an associate. Uh, and then my last associate job was on the pilot for Everybody Loves Raymond for uh, Lisa Miller Katz, who's mm-hmm. fantastic. Um, we had a great time. I actually worked with her at Stephen Cannell for a little bit. Um, and we were doing the pilot for Everybody Loves Raymond, the last season of Fresh Prince of Bel Air, awesome. and I think the last season of Space Above and Beyond. So we're doing three things. Um, but I was primarily working with her on the pilot for the for the show, and it was a great experience. But I just remember saying, "I am not going to take another casting associate job. The next job I get in casting is going to be as a casting director." And I just you have to make decisions like that. I think in your career, just sort of some point hold the same no line. To the other and you know, of course, the way the universe works, the next day or you know a week later, I got offered like three amazing associate jobs that you know I was like, "Universe is testing." I was testing. I was just like. Pass. One was to work on the Devil's Advocate, you know, with mm-hmm. you know, we're working closely with Taylor Hackford and Al Pacino. I'm like, I'm passing. <laughs> I'm not gonna do it. I could. I know exactly. Forward. And then it just sort of, you know, then it happened. And you just, you know, 
you work your way up and keep going. So when an agent calls or a manager calls and pitches, are they always talking to the casting director? Who's calling who? to pitch? That's so rare these days. Is it, is it so rare? It kind of is, you know. Now it's all email pitches? Email, yeah. It just, I feel bad, like, and I'm really bad about now returning phone calls because it's so, like, out of whack. Yeah. Um, it just is weird. I'm like, why are you calling me? <laughs> I don't understand. What is this? Send me an email. It's, yeah. What's an effective pitch? Is it just uh, you've got to see this person? Uh, you've developed a track record of trusting them, or yes. is it, or is it the content that's in there? Like, look at this clip. It's a combination of everything, you know, and it also very subjective to whoever casting director you're working with. Like, I know some pitches work on casting directors, like because the agents keep doing them sometimes. It's like sometimes they'll say to me like, "Oh, so and so, you know, it's just to give an example, so and so, John Levy's a really big fan," and that to me is an ineffective pitch because we all have very different tastes. He doesn't know what I'm casting. I don't know what he's casting. You know, so it's a whole, it's a weird thing. Like we're all like one monolithic thought process, you know. Yeah. And so that kind of to me is not an effective pitch. But it, it's just I, I'm. Personally, I think I'm really easy for, for to see people, you know, and sometimes I'll be just looking at a whim, like, yeah, I'll see, you know, come whatever, on. come on, you know. I, you know, my belief is everybody's got to start somewhere. You know what I'm saying? It's just yeah. not, it's just, I, I never understood the the no, the no, the no at all, especially during like doing a pilot. You know, it's, especially with self-tapes, if somebody really wants to put the time, take their time to put themselves on tape, I'll look at it. Yeah. I'm, I may not look at it all the way through, but I'll look at it. What's it? Thirty seconds of my time. It's you know if, if that's what. Pers- how off? I mean, I know that this will be g- this is a general answer that I'm looking that's for right. here. But how far into a tape do you know whether someone either is perfect for the role or just <laughs> not right for it? How quickly can you know? Pretty close. I mean, sometimes I'll identify certain phrases or words or, or uh, uh, in a scene. You know, if, if somebody comes in, you know, if, for example, just recently I had a scene where the actress. Had to come in like hot and angry. Yeah. Right away, the way they came in and just sort of like, you know, the tone of their voice, whatever, just I was like, ooh, or yay, or, you know. Yeah. That's a hot and angry it's I a buy hot, and yeah, I like, or it's and, a hot and, and angry and I don't. Just, and I'm pretty good about doing that. I mean, I mean, even if I like somebody a lot, I think I'll look through it all the way through. It's just because what happens with self tapes, you get, you see more people. You have a bigger volume to look at. You know, and if I really spent all day looking at all these self tapes all the way through, I, I, I'd be here until April looking at for one project. Still, you know, it's just a lot. So start strong. Is the, is. Well, whatever it is, sometimes it's you know the phrase happens you know two yeah. or three minutes into it or something like that. So yeah, you know, um, how much are you seeing people in the room? When does that happen? Probably, I, you know, I haven't in a long time. It's just the nature of things. A lot of my projects have been out of town. Okay. Um, so how does that work? Self tapes come in. Self tapes come in. I look at them and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna pick the best ones and send them over to my director producers. And depending upon whether or not we're gonna have people in a room, actually, I, I, I just had people in a room on a film I did over in, in November. So, um, but you're finding more and more even producer sessions. They're just going off the tape. They're not actually in the room with oh, people. Oh, totally. Yeah, totally. More and more. I mean, again, it's it's. I mean, the benefit of it is, you kind of see what you're gonna get on screen. Mm-hmm. It's a better preview. Because you know, in the uh, in the olden days, when there was no self tapes, or, or not tapes, it was sometimes you would see somebody on film that you hired, and you're like, "Oh, that wasn't that person in the room." Yeah, it's different. It's different. Yeah. Uh, so, 
an actor needs a self-tape setup in your mind. Or- I, you should do a whole podcast on just self-tapes. Fantastic. <laughs> yes, it's not that hard. I, you know. What about quality? Yeah. What if the quality? I mean, if you see something shot on an iPhone, is it fine? If there, if the sound is a little echoey, not, if the person's really good, at the end of the day, it doesn't make a difference unless it sort of impedes on the performance or the perception or people looking at the performance. You know, if there's a, a continuing click sound in the background and you really like the person, I'll call them and say, "Can they redo it again?" There's a click sound that's sort of mm-hmm. annoying. I don't want that annoyance to transfer to the actor. Um, but yeah, I think you should make a good quality tape. It's not that hard at all to do it with, you know, go to Amazon, there's a flat sheets are only like eight ninety nine. get a, yep. a nice bright blue one or a black one and tack it up on a wall. You know, the lighting kits are really cheap now, just get two, you know, anything, it just, it just makes a difference. Don't do self-tapes in front of bookcases. I find myself always looking at the books and seeing what books there are. Then, you know, make sure your background's not busy. Just normal. So what about people who take the opportunity to get a little bit more of a filmmaker? Um, whether it's shooting really close or um, I'm maybe selling clothes in the audition and so I'm using my closet. No, because then, you're, I mean, I would, I would just hesitate doing that because you don't want any of the focus to be taken away from you or the performance. I think some of that will, like, oh, they just did a close-up. Like, you know, I think it's keep it simple Keep the focus on you. Um, that's why I'm not. You know, a lot of people sometimes will, will have the readers on screen. You know, reading opposite them. I'm like, really? why would you do? It? Wow, I've seen that before. Although I gotta say, it was one time there was one actress. I won't say who, but it was. I mean, you know, well known. But she lived in Dallas because I think she did a TV show out there, and her husband was like the cinematographer, cinematographer on the show, and she sent in a self tape. It was like fantastic. <laughs> like it was like walking moves, everything was. And I was like, I sent it to my producers. I'm like, you should get this guy to shoot the show. He's really good, <laughs> you know. So, uh, do you find though that in terms of quality, that generally people who are going to turn in better auditions do have better quality? Like sometimes, if I see somebody who has a terrible headshot. Doesn't mean they're not going to be good, but the odds are they're less experienced. There's less stuff out there. Yes, the odds are. But you know, here's how I feel about some. It's almost like that. General rules in this business just don't apply. I, I, I think yes, you could lean towards feeling that way, mm-hmm. but I, the, the moment you sort of set that on the rule, there's going to be like three people to come in and just destroy that. Fair enough. You okay. know, it just it's the way I've hired people off of the camera on a, a computer before. Okay. You know, I've hired you know off of an iPhone. It 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 it. it there's no rhyme or reason to it before. What about being off book or still holding? I mean, the, the old trope was when you go into an audition, you go in the room, carry your sides. What about when it's a self tape? Do you care? I think that because the perception is because you have more time with a self tape, although not necessarily that's true. I found it's not always true. It's not always but true, but the perception, perception is matters. that it is that more and more people are expecting you to be off book. I used to have the thing against being off book, like you know, was it somebody who said like you can't, you know, until you book the job, you don't have to be off book. But now more people are doing it. I just think it really helps people perceiving you have command over the scene. Okay, what is your favorite part of the job? Um, actors, <laughs> meeting people, talking to different people, getting different, you know, you know, nothing great, better than having a session where you have 20 different personalities come in and 20 different people come in and just getting to know people. That's the best one. The, uh, the other one is, you know, I do believe that casting is the first stepping stone to somebody's dream. Yeah. You know, we provide an opportunity. I hate the expression we discovered or we, you know, I, I hate that sort of like... <laughs> 
what are they, a science experiment or something? Um, <laughs> but we provide sometimes the very first opportunities for people to pursue their dream. It's pretty magical. You know, so it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty awesome. What's the... That's why, I don't, that's why when I hear uh, other horror stories by casting directors, you know, some, and, I, and a lot of it's overblown, but I, I believe there's some kernel of truth to some, you know, they told me in the room I should, I should quit being an actor, you know, that, that's no one's right to tell anybody to quit dreaming. That's yeah. an odd thing to say to somebody, so. What's your least favorite part of the job? Uh, nowadays is getting more, I guess the politics of it all, in terms of not that, just in terms of inner workings, like there's always like, oh, you have to get approval from so-and-so before we get that approval from that person. And, and now because the monolith of film and TV making is so big, mm-hmm. everybody's got a way in, so it's like logistics you have to sort of figure out. Okay. Um, and I find that there's a lot of people, because the overhead of studios and whatnot is so big that there's a lot of people who sort of justify their jobs by weighing in on stuff and casting when okay. there's no reason. So it's just a lot of fingers in the pie. Way too many. Okay, fair enough. I do. I, I do think it sort of kills quality, or yeah. or or well, group think a distinct or up. distinct right a distinct vision. Yeah, fair enough. You know, um, what was the like? What was your favorite kind of like year of your life casting? Is there oh a time God. when you're like this? This was the best. I, I loved it's it. Funny, at this I don't. Point. I never think. I, I I don't. I never think in terms of that. Like in the past or the future. I don't. To try to qualify things either bad or good just because I think okay. it's detrimental but if I had to go back and think for just a second I mean I think TV wise my most successful and my most creatively um, where I felt really creative was doing Cold Case for th- four years yeah. um, just because of the nature of the show and how creative casting wise that show was to do um, and it you know kept me on my toes I love uh, a casting challenge and uh, a challenge in casting, and that was the ultimate challenge, quite frankly, on TV. Because on that show, for anyone who doesn't remember, you had to match people to either their younger version or their older version. Right, find two actors to play the casting. same character, yeah. and and it wasn't even so much the matching, which was a huge part of it. It was also the the amount of roles. I mean, I would go anywhere from twenty to thirty five per. Uh, episode, which is every eight days. So, how many so people were coming into a session in a day? I mean, that was when it does pretty self I mean, it was literally every single day for those four years was most likely like morning session of pre reads, afternoon sessions of producer sessions. And because the crux of that show was the casting and the music, um, the great thing about the, the studio, Warner Brothers and CBS and all the executives and all the producers on that show is they really valued casting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they would devote, you know, I, my producer sessions ran from, you know, two to sometimes four four hours long. Wow. And we would really, it was like an acting workshop, quite frankly, my producer sessions, which was fantastic because it was so important to them. So um, I, I don't think I've, I've, since that show, met um, producers and executives in TV that were so, Enamored and respectful of casting, they really were. They were great. Um, so when, okay, here's a question that I have for you. As things have kind of moved forward, we're in the era of self tapes. You hear the phrase pinned a lot, 
I feel like actors hear this a lot. You are pinned. You're yes. in the mix. Officially, what does that mean to you, and how, how large is the group that might be in that? It's so funny that 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 the word pin is sort of sometimes taken on a negative connotation. Or actors are like, I hate to hear that. It's yeah. like it's a really good thing. <laughs> it's a step forward on the it's game a step board. forward on the game board. It's just it's just a way to express we have interest in this actor mm-hmm. on our side, but basically we're not ready to make a decision, or we can't make a decision, or you know, there's there's reasons why we 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 can't pull the trigger. Uh, or you know we like them, uh, we want to see other people, or we, we don't like them enough at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Just we want to explore other options, see other what other options out there, um, and it's also let them know that we really, really very interested in. So if anything comes up that conflicts, mm-hmm. please let us know because that will facilitate a decision on our part, either yay or nay. How many people might get pinned for one job, for one role? Not a lot. I mean, in my in my perspective, in my perspective, it's you know. Sometimes it's like if you're doing a feature film, you're looking for the leads, you know, maybe five, four, okay. five. Uh, and a TV show, just the nature of how quick it goes, one or two. Okay. Just a couple. Just so a couple. If, so it's so not, if you're getting pinned, it's I don't a win. know. Commercially, it may be different. Sure. I don't, I've never done a commercial. I don't know what the casting process is like, but. Michael Testa's views are only his own. <laughs> yes, exactly. No, but I'm, I'm sure in commercially, it's probably maybe a little bit more. Sure. But if you are, that's like. It's a win. It's a win. It's a oh, win. It's a good, Take it's a the good thing. win. Right. Okay. Fantastic. Um, what if, what parts of your job do we hear less about? Because you've got to do negotiations. You've got to handle actor schedules yes, sometimes. Yes, like yes, I yes. think having letting actors know that you guys are busy doing other things beyond just watching self tapes can help people understand what it is to be you and what it I, is I, your bandwidth. It is. It goes with organizing creatively. How you can set up the auditions. What actors are going to read. You know. Pulling the sides, organizing the sides, getting all the sort of that stuff done, thinking of ideas, being creative, hopefully in a project, thinking outside the box, trying to pull all the stuff together, dealing with you know your directors and producers every single day, then dealing with agent and managers and every single day, and how the, and then actors availabilities. Who's available? Who can't come in that day? Why can't they come in that day? Can they move early? Can they move forward? It gets, you know, it's a lot, you know, and that's yeah. why it's it. I think a lot of times actors will see casting directors walking around frazzled. Yeah, you know, I, I, I don't mind the chaos because I know at the end of the day it's going to get done. Mm-hmm. So I don't care like really how it gets done. Just sure. like, like I'm sometimes my assistants and associates hate me because I'm just like just get it done. Like I don't, I don't care how you do it. Just, just fix it. Just fix it. Me, yeah. Give me a solution, not a problem. <laughs> um, and so I'm that I'm that guy, but. Um, it's just a lot. The negotiations, you know, it depends on the size of the film. The film, I, you know, my line, I draw the line sometimes when, like, when the other side gets a lawyer involved. I'm like, I am not a lawyer. I don't know the ins and outs of this crap. Like, so figure like, the production, get now. your own lawyer. Like, let the lawyer start hashing it out. Okay. You know, so that I don't really try to get involved with too too much because it's it's just over my head. You know. Um, but a lot. I mean, there's a lot. There's yeah. The bandwidth has got to be spread thin. It's got to be a lot, right? Uh, on average, I know this is going to vary wildly, but how many submissions are you get when you release a role? Like uh, just to give people an idea of scope. How I mean, many actors? It, it depends on the size of the role, but I mean, I would say anywhere from like two to five thousand. And how do you interact with? Like that seems to me an impossible number to truly interact with. Like it's not so much. So what does that look like? You're just scrolling through, and it's it's like Tinder, like yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. A little no. bit, yeah. I mean, I, I, absolutely. But you, I've been doing this a long time, so I know a lot of actors. Yeah. So 
you know, a lot of my opinions are pre-baked. Okay. I, I hate having that feeling, but in terms of breaking down who I'm going to see or what pick for self tapes, it helps. But I do, but I am that person that's like, oh, you know, I haven't seen them the last time. They're, they weren't so good, but I, you know, try another shot on the yeah. on the tape, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, you just go through and you start picking. I mean, my Kim, my associate would be like, you can't see this many people. It's too much. I'm like, well, uh, okay, fuck. Um, <laughs> and I have to go back and read through some more because I would just pick, oh, why not? Get blah, 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 and just keep picking. That's why it's very important for actors to make sure your headshot or looks really good small. It's a good piece of advice. Yeah. Listen to that one. Make sure your headshot works in a thumbnail. In a thumbnail, exactly. Um, so two to 5,000 submissions, how many self-tapes are going to come from that? How many appointment self-tapes? Again, all rough. Again, depending upon the role, anywhere from 50 to 200. Okay. So that's kind of, now we have some idea of how many people yeah, are going pretty, up. Yeah, it's a pretty... I mean, that's a lot of people right. that you're able to watch. That's got to be way more than ever would have gotten in the room before. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's, that's the... That's the benefit for actors. You've probably seen a lot more, mm-hmm. not seen in a room, but seen just doing your thing. Witnessed. Witnessed, yes, yeah. exactly. Well, that's honestly sometimes one of the hardest things, I think, as an actor is well, to now feel like no one's actually self tapes are over, got to be over 50% of auditions. Has would, to be way over. I would guess more than that. I mean, my, my experience in between personally and then working in an acting studio and coaching auditions. Again, I hate to be saying that sometimes it's like I always. Like, I there was one year I cast like fifteen films in one year, but seven or eight of them were done outside of Los Angeles, and I cast every role down to like to one liners from my you know my from my apartment. I never yeah. left my apartment, and some of the best casts I ever put together all the way around. Wow! So it's yeah, I'm I'm waiting for the day when like producers and studios go, oh, you don't need office space. And I'll be like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> what percent of uh, big roles are offers? Like, how, if, if it's a lead role in a film that you're again, doing. it depends on the size of the film. It depends on the filmmakers. It depends on a whole bunch of stuff. Um, what percent? Some films, none. There's no offers. Other okay. films, you know, twenty percent, ten percent. You know. Okay, so yeah. I mean, they're they're a piece of it. They're a piece of it, yeah. Quick break to tell you that this episode of Industry Town is sponsored by Horrible Haikus, everyone's favorite offensive poetry game. This game is perfect for actors, entertainers, or anyone who's willing to just look a little bit silly in front of their friends. Uh, Horrible Haikus is available online at horriblehaikusgame.com. And if you are an Industry Town listener, you can get the game for 50% off with the code HAIKU50. Again, that code is HAIKU50. That makes the game just $15, so go check that out on online and get yourself a copy what there are times as an actor when you go in and you can tell sometimes you're intuiting and sometimes it's very obvious that the part that you're reading for is also being offered out um sometimes there's like a headshot next to the name of the role and it's like oh i I know that actor Mm -hmm. um other times you're like in the waiting room and then all of a sudden someone will come out and be like you know what we're all just going to be doing just this one part of scene one what can you tell somebody to take advantage of that time well I don't know if I could tell them anything to take advantage of, and I get the reason why it sort of upsets actors because you put time and effort into something and it goes through, and it doesn't happen, and you know you feel like it's wasted energy, wasted time. I guess all I can say is flip it. You know, there are plenty of times where we prepare, we do a lot of work to get actors in a room, and then I can't tell you how many times in the last minute they go, oh, they can't, they can't make it. You've already confirmed them. I know, but they can't make it now. 
You know, that mm-hmm. sort of now puts a hole in my session or whatever. So there's so there's, it works both ways on both sides. You know, you have sure. to sort of understand that it happens. I don't get the changing like the sides sometimes. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I have done it in the past. The, the only time I usually do it in the past is if I'm going, I'm reading something the first time or I'm going through a session and I'm realizing, oh my God, I can't, I can't sit through the scene anymore or it's not, it's not working. And then I'll just call, and then I'll bring everybody in. And before I see it, I'm apologizing. We're not, I don't make the, the grand announcement. Yeah. Um, other times producers will insist in the room mm-hmm. that, you know, to cut a scene because they don't like it or, or they just don't want to sit through it. And, yeah. Um, and then I will change it after after every other appointment after that. Um, but what I'm hearing is, is just remember it's not personal. Not this personal. has nothing it's to do nothing with the actors. Right. It's too and, bad. And the idea of the offer going out with something, you know, understand too, it, 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 that happens because if we had to wait around before we read people in order to hear response from offers, then you guys would be getting appointments an hour before. Like, yeah. okay, you know, because you don't know, you can't wait because you, you know, a lot of casting and a lot of good casting is really backup, making yeah. sure you have the next day's session ready to go if no one hits it in that session. Or, you know, having the actors ready in case that actor passes. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's just good, it's just good casting work because you have to. Yeah, and empathizing with your side of the room, which is you are dealing with a lot of unpredictable moving variables, right. and we're only one small piece of that, and to be the best part of that we can, right. and most consistent we can, is the best way that it'll eventually work out. Right, and you know, in, in, in our side, we gotta try to keep, make sure the sessions don't run you know, crazy long, so you're not sitting there for two hours. Mm-hmm. And I always tell producers, if it starts getting that way, I'm like, listen guys, we can sit here for two hours and do all this stuff, but you ain't getting any performances out of these people. Because you, you lose your energy after two hours waiting for it to go in, it's not conducive to anything, so you have to, I very rarely have had sessions that run, you know, super long and tiresome mm-hmm. because I'm pretty run a. I, I I like to run sort of a tight ship in terms of, not so much with the actors but with my producers, directors, like keeping them on, you know, don't go off on a tangent and. Yeah. Um, I remember I'll to tell the story. Something's not a bad story. That's a good story. <laughs> um, Andy Garcia was directing an episode of Cold Case, and he was wonderful. You know, obviously an actor and yeah. cherished actors, and was really just conscious of the audition process and how it affects actors. And I don't know whether it was you know m- memory from when he had to audition and whatnot. So he in the sessions he would work with everybody at you know just all the time and try to get nuances and even and I could tell even if he didn't respond to the actor he felt obligated to do that have him do it a couple of times after they did the first time you know and my first session with him ran like two hours long I was like you know we're there till eight o'clock at night we started at like three or something like that and and I just went to him and said, you know, Andy you know so you know you don't if you don't respond to an actor after the first time they do it it's Okay, not to do the scene again. Yeah, you know, given the shot. I mean, you have to look, think about you know your energy level and you're you're thinking. And um, he was like, "Is it?" He, he was he was so generous to the actors, um, but you know, I, that's why that's that, those are the times I wish you know, I could still be in a room. Yeah, to see the interaction a yeah. lot. I I mean I miss that part of it a lot. Totally. I mean, getting to work with the director, getting to show that you can take a note. Take a is, note. I mean, that was always one of the most fun parts. Is like, oh, I've got my story for this, but 
you guys have right. You know the right. whole piece. You know the whole piece works. And there, I might not have the whole script. I might only have one. Well, sometimes right, and sometimes you know, as as a cast director, you go into the set. I mean, when going to sessions, you don't have all the notes. Like sometimes with the director's thinking. Yeah. And and what I what I'll do is. I know for some reason too, I like to like get up and go get the actors and bring them in as a cast member and have somebody do it because yeah. I just feel like, again, I want to make this experience as personable as possible. But I would use the opportunity to be like, okay, whatever you're thinking about doing in that second scene, just play it, you know, <laughs> angry, whatever the note is, because they're not responding to anything else. Like, here's the cheat sheet. Here's the cheat sheet. Go. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because you know, at the end of the day, you know, and it's true, the adage is, you know, we want you to book the job. I mean, I want to make my job, I want to make my life easier. Yeah. I don't want to extend this for months. You Why know, I want to get it done. I want someone to do a bad job. It's exactly. Just, there's no, there's, there's no, just there's no way. in the world that makes any sense about it. And if they did, exactly. why would they call you in? Just, exactly. None of it makes exactly. any sense. None of it. Um, so one of the things that we that I that we have a couple of businesses here we have Generals and Field Studios. There's also actors. It's like a whole industry. It's a it's like a campus now, um, which is awesome. We actually have our 10 year anniversary on wow. February 2nd, which is just like wow, time flies. And also like well done, John. Um, but one thing in actor salon is that people are often. I need to get an agent. I need to get an agent. Yes. Yeah, the only thing I, I the, the big focus is I got to get an agent. So a couple questions on this. Does is it better to have any agent? Uh, if you will, you take a pitch from anyone. Will does it really matter, or or is there a certain caliber or baseline that you need for it to even be relevant? You know, I don't. You know, again, I can't speak for every cast director. I don't know how they work. I personally look at everything. Okay, no matter the size agency, but that's because it's indicative of me doing an hour TV show based in Los Angeles. You know, for. 17 consecutive, 18 consecutive years. So I've had to work as an assistant and associate and as a casting director with every size agency on some level because I just needed what they provided. Yeah. Um, I, so I guess I come from the school of like, you know, the more opportunity you have to get out there, the better. It may not be a great opportunity. They may not be doing a good job, but at least it's something going on and something that's why I always tell people like you know don't sign something right away like you know make sure you can if it's small and you know you can get out of it pretty quickly without if you if it's not working out at least make sure that they are submitting you make sure yes. that they are working right. on behalf of you but right. if you can have that and you know and and right because it was nowadays the submission process is relatively easy if they're you know on breakdowns yeah. but not it's just it's a click of a button I would I think you know, to go about how to get an agent and whatnot, I wouldn't know because I'm not, I've never been on the other side. Sure. You know, so I don't know like But if you see a name that you haven't heard of before, you're not gonna say, oh, who the fuck is that? No. No, no, no. I mean I may think it, but I won't <laughs> No, no, no. I just you know, sometimes, you know, especially with like, you know, some sometimes the names of agencies and co- and management companies really kind of freak me out. So it's not, it's kinda of funny. I'm like, oh, so what if an actor is unrepresented or it's an agent that you don't know incredibly well and it's the era of self-tapes? Like, If you were an actor, how would you try to get casting to have some idea of who you are without coming across as like too invasive or... or well, if I'm looking at your self-tape, you've already done it. Okay. You know what I'm saying? You're already taking a couple of steps ahead of the game. Okay. Um, you know... I mean, per, I mean, I'm gonna get inundated with requests, but like, I also do think like social media. Like, I, I have no bones. I make no qualms with people if they sort of add me on social media as an, an actors. I mm-hmm. think it's almost sort of their job yeah. to do that. 
you know, I'm not, I may not accept them all. I may not, you know, it depends on my whim. Sure. Sometimes during the day, or it depends on, you know, just the mood I'm in. But do that. Get yourself known, you know, just, again, I don't know the specifics of how to sort of, it's hard for me to dissect what I do or how I know somebody when I'm not even aware of that myself. I just sort of know who I know. Well, that sounds you know. like they're hitting you from a couple, like there's a couple different ways. There's a couple different ways. Can, there's not just one. I mean, it's you, like, it, I mean, but also too, you gotta look at it like almost like making friends. You don't really dissect how you make a friend. Yeah. You just kind of do. And that's sort of almost the same thing how I approach casting. I don't sort of go out and seek, okay, let me, you know, the first step is to go to all the schools and, you know, yeah. monitor everything. You know, that's bullshit. Sometimes I, I'll see, I see a commercial, I'm like, oh, I kind of like that person. Yeah. You know, oh, that's pretty cool. Oh, then all of a sudden they're submitted. And I'm like, oh, now I remember them more. Okay. You know, or, you know, I can see somebody at, Whole Foods a couple of times and like oh it, it just, and then they their their face sticks you know I love the image of how do you make a friend because one of the things about how you make a friend is you are in places that that person is at yeah that's I mean right. that can be a digital space but that is also their place of work which would be getting the self tape in there um, do you do I, I, this sounds so general but like industry events like are there places where I'm people so just meet? bad because I'm not, that's if I could change one thing about myself as a cast director yeah. to be more involved in sort of the industry of it all because I got it again I, I, no hate mail to the pad, to podcast or to, to Brian but like I, I, I hate theater like I just it doesn't do anything for me I don't go and I respect it. I get it, do it, you know, go out there and flex your muscles. Yeah. But for me as a, as a medium to go watch and enjoy, I just, I never have. So theater's not the back? Not for me. Do you do film festivals or like online content? I don't like stuff? going to film festivals unless I have a film in it. Fair. Because I feel like, you know, I'm just a, sort of this loser hanger on, like trying to, you know, drum up business or something like yeah. that. <laughs> so, um, no, I'm just really, I personally am just very bad at that kind of, Networking. My networking comes in other sort of ways. It's more of a just sort of a friendly kind of casual way to network. And I hate to use that word network because it has a bad connotation. A terrible connotation. But it's but it's it's, it's almost people. just meeting people and not even thinking about the opportunities. It's like the more people you know, the more opportunities you're gonna have. I mean, it's just simple as that. I always say, no one's coming on your door to knock on your door and say, hey, be in my movie or hey, be on my TV. It's no. it, that's not gonna happen. No. So you have to get out there and just make yourself known and present to people who actually can do that or give you opportunities or roads to lead to your work. What about uh, postcards or digital postcards? Kind of e what are you in the year two? <laughs> no one has postcards anymore. That's that's I mean that's because of social media. That's sort of the way it is. So it's really just find the way that you would be in front of your face. Get yeah, I'm not the person it. too to send like the digital postcard, like you know, or some some actors will do like the the newsletter or like you know, the, I'm like that's. The, I'm, I wouldn't even read a newsletter from like my mother. I'm not going to read one from somebody else. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? It's like <laughs> she's been working on it. She's been working <laughs> on her Mailchimp. <laughs> no, she wouldn't. She wouldn't. But just you know, how much is packaging a force that actors? don't necessarily kind of understand is at, at play. I don't know. I never understood the whole packaging thing of it all. Like I don't I never thought it made a bigger deal than everything it was. I mean, everybody goes, oh, I need to be with a bigger agency because they package you into stuff. It's like, no, what the bigger agencies do is they have access to all the filmmakers before anything is even released. So mm -hmm. some filmmakers say, hey, I need this kind of type for this movie that may be happening at some point. Oh, meet so-and-so. And the movie may not even happen. So, you know, I don't, uh, you know, 
find a place, a person or management or agent who just, I always say, believes in you more than you. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. That could be a nice quote well, there's there. There's a fly right in front of my microphone. Oh, but, um, we're going to have to um, get Yeah. Room. So the whole, like, you know, and, and I always say, too, that an agency does not define an actor. Mm-hmm. Neither does your resume, really. It's yeah. you... An actor is an actor. It's not defined by what you do and, and who you do with and who promotes you and who sends you out. That's just sort of a, a sort of an odd thing. What about people... um, workshops? I know that they had the they stopped for a while. They're on the rise again. Do you, are they do on they, the rise again? They are coming back. I mean, they're not like they used to be. But right, there's right, a right. couple companies. That I, I listen. I did them um, when I started doing cold case. Actually, was when I first started. Every now and then I did them as an associate just because, you know, I didn't know any better, really, quite frankly. And people were like, hey, you know, I was like, okay, I'll make some extra money because I wasn't making any money, um, even as a casting associate. Um, but I I understand why people, I understand why they shut down for a while because there was a, a couple of people that were really abusing that thing. Um, but I started doing them when I was doing cold case a lot because I just needed to know quantity of actors because of the nature of that show. Like I just needed to really know everybody. And I hired a lot of people from those classes, from those workshops. And I I like to call them classes instead of workshops because the ones I did, I sort of ran by classes. Like you had to be there the whole three or four hours. Like I don't fucking leave early. Don't leave early. You can't, you can't leave early. It's not that you don't, you can't. watching. Exactly. Or, you know, it's class. I never did the sort of one-on-one thing. Like Mm -hmm. that, I don't, that, that to me was always weird. Sorry for anybody out there who runs a casting workshop, whatever. But I, I, I always felt that sort of really skirted the line between you know paid audition because you're sort of that yeah. one-on-one interaction as opposed to sort of getting up in front of like an acting class, getting up and doing a scene and having everybody sort of critique it and whatnot. Yeah, having shared so, experience. Having shared experience. That. Yeah. So they're not something that you do now. You haven't been one a year. One a year. That. Yeah. Something like Two that. Two a year. Usually I do. I do like I have a friend who runs like an acting studio. Like if John had asked me, oh, come yeah. in and do like for the class, you know. Yeah, I don't, yeah that's that to me is also very different too because it's part of uh, an entire learning experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're learning about your craft as well as an, you know, I, I you know, I, I like when schools tie in the industry to the craft as well because it is a huge part of it. Yeah. It's the ultimate part of it actually, quite frankly. The toughest part that I found with teaching acting classes with that is that in an acting class you want people to feel vulnerable enough to fail. Right. And then, but with the industry, you don't necessarily want to fall flat on your face in front of somebody. But that's that a can pr- get the, that that, I know, but that's, but that, but, but, you know, again, I, and when I ever do this, I preface it by saying, like, you know, I want people to sort of fall flat on their face in front of them because it tells me more about them as an actor than anything else. I could see, you know, where, their insecurities and, you know, either play that up maybe in a future audition or play it down, you know, you know, and I think it's really important for actors to know all that stuff so they know how to manipulate an audition when they go in for a character that may cause them some strife. I think that's a perfect time for you to do it. And and again, I get reasons why people are fearful of seeing it, having industry people look at them fail because a lot of people, you know, I know a lot of people who like, you know, you walk into their office and you're a casting director and you walk in as an actor and, you know, you suck. Yeah. And everybody sucks. I mean, all, I suck. The, some things that I cast that I think are sucky. But if that happens, in their eyes, you suck for seven years. Yeah. That's the problem. The problem is not the actor sucking. Yeah. It's the problem that they're sort of putting that on that one actor for one time. Mm-hmm. I never, I, I, I don't think that way. Like, listen, if you come into my office seven times in a row and you suck seven times in a row, I'll be like, 
yeah, you probably suck. Yeah. But in my opinion. Yeah. But one Something or two times, yeah. yeah, I mean, listen, we all, you know. We have a good day. It happens. Every day we have good days and bad days. We all do. Sometimes you identify with the role more than others, when others you don't. So it's just, you know, it's being human. So you said earlier, make sure your headshot works in a small form. Uh, any other thoughts on headshots? Just make no. sure they look like you. Sometimes they reflect you. Don't go and, you know, don't do anything that you're not, you know, if you're a jeans and t-shirt kind of guy or gal, just take the picture in jeans and t-shirt. Don't, you know, do something that's sort of unnatural to you. Do you watch demo reels? No. Never. Not if I don't know the actor. If you know the actor, yes. you take a look at yes. it to see the latest stuff they're doing. Right. Or, or if like, I see a self-tape of actor, maybe I don't know. I'm like, oh, can I get some demo reel? I want, I want, to, I want to see more on that, on that person. So it would but be I don't, I don't supporting like the, documentation. Yes, exactly. I don't like to look at it as an as a, as a introductory. And uh, does it have to be full of network TV credits or can it be? Well, listen, it, does, it can be sort of cool in films, but watch out for doing like, you know, let me go tape this scene from Hamlet. Or, let, or sometimes they say, let me tape this scene from this TV show that... Because what that does in my mind, it reinforces the fact that you didn't book it. Yeah. You know, only in rare cases should you use a audition as part of your tape or part of as as a part of your material. We've been telling people to do it when they don't have other tape, when they don't have it. But you have to be careful of that because it's got to be like so good. Oh, yeah. You know, it can't be even like it's good. It's got to be like it's, it's not even good. It's got to be like fantastic beyond belief. I remember years ago it was there's an actress Georgina Cates who was married to Skeet Aldrich for a while, and she was really good. And they used I remember they used her audition for Carlito's Way, mm-hmm. and she was really good. Like you're like whoa, like you you got that and you just played that fucking part, right? Fucking and just recently it. I had a film where somebody an actress who. Um, me and the director really, really loved. Our producers were a little bit, um, they liked her, but not enough. They weren't seeing anything from her demo reel. She, and she's done a lot of stuff, a lot of big stuff on the demo reel because they weren't seeing it. So the agent sent over a, um, an audition tape from a, a very big movie that happened over the summer that she came close to getting. And it was fantastic. And it convinced them, okay, great. She could do it just from that audition tape. You know, so use it use it wisely and selectively, I guess. I feel like people should be willing to share that audition tape with a number of people whose opinions they very much respect. Right. And if all of those people say, holy shit, right, that exactly. is an incredible audition that you can right. use. Because you don't forget when you're looking if you're looking at that and say in terms of say another project. Again, my first thought is like, well, then how come she didn't book it? What's going on? Like, yeah. what's, why not? Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, when they sent over this audition tape with the actress, they were like, it was really between her and somebody, you know, and the other actress who got it. They debated and debated and debated and debated. And, and it was a, from a manager that I extremely, I trust a lot. Yeah. You know, so I was like, okay, great, send it over. Let's see if that, you know, sways minds. And it did. Um, in self tapes, on mm-hmm. self tapes, uh, what are the most common mistakes that you see people making? <laughs> I love this subject. So, because it just kind of cracks me up. That, like, again, just make sure your background's not busy. People, I've had tapes where people like, I see the family in the background. One was this couple of times they were arguing. I remember and TV you know, in the background. TV in the background seriously talking. going. I had the, the the, and the reason why I mentioned the bookshelf. I just had this recently on a bunch. There was like five or six self types. Like, what? Their background is so busy that you're just. F- falling into the background like there's no you have to figure out a way to make sure that you're 
present and then you pop off that screen. I mean, really look at it when you go back and look at it as if you're watching a TV screen and watching a movie or TV and would that actor stand out? Put it on mute for a second. See whether the, you actually are visually n- engaged. Know your colors that you wear. The colors look good on you because a lot of times people get washed out. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Learn your camera learn because your camera some angles. people have the ISO on exactly. too bright and they're washed out and... So it's mainly some visual stuff is what you're talking about. Where uh, right, because that's the first thing you the see. The minute yeah. the minute you turn on self-tape, it's a visual thing. So that, that's yeah. even more so than somebody sometimes walking in a room. Yeah. Um, so make sure you concentrate. And, you know, even like check your hair. Mm. I mean, I can't tell you how many people, you know, men and, and men and women, you walk in and go, that hairstyle might look good in you know, the bathroom mirror, but on t- camera, it looks awful. And that's the first thing people are going to see. And that's the first thing people comment and tell you. One of the first things is the visual of it, visuals of it all, especially a director is going to see that. Go, oh, how, how am I going to shoot around that hair? You know? <laughs> it makes sense to me that someone who wants a career in a visual medium should be responsible for how they look in a visual medium. I was notorious, or I was really bad, you know, when I was doing a show and Kim and I would tape some people. I would, you know, look through the camera, like, and she'd look through and I'd be like, yeah, no way. You got to go to the bathroom and like <laughs> stop. You, you got to go back and brush your hair because the thing's sticking up in the back. And yeah. you know, so. anything else though besides the visual? I mean, that's a huge one. Uh, the visual, you know, um, I always suggest actors have like a, a, a list of ten actor friends or fellow actors from class or wherever that they can go down the list that are competent to say, hey, I got a self-tape tomorrow. Can you come read the lines for me? No. Then go to the next one. Keep going down. To, because you know, a lot of times self-tapes are ruined by the, the reader, even if they're off screen. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, make sure that actual also the reader can be heard. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not just sort of like just you delivering lines. Yeah. Um, I remember too. It's a funny story. I was doing a pilot, shall remain nameless. <laughs> and they went through the whole purchase. I hired a whole like set up a studio. They were they were filming these tapes, these network tests. They were actually filming them in the yeah. studio. I had to spend thousands of dollars, a lot of money on this thing, and we get there, and I don't, you know, I don't know. He's a sound guy, make up the whole thing. Yeah. Well, the, the the sound guy and the boom guys don't mic me. Even though I'm reading opposite these actors, it was yeah. just a, a boom mic, so you couldn't hear me at all. Just a mute. It was just a mute, and then and then just saying words. It was like it's totally all unusable, like totally <laughs> unusable. You know, they're kind of funny at that point. Maybe it was not. Fun. It was. I listen. I it was funny to me because you know, at the end of the day, it was not. You know, yeah. it was nothing I did. It was just like well, didn't even not think about Mikey me. How do I? Why do I think about Mikey me? I just assumed that it was happening. Um, so it was pretty funny, but yeah, make sure the other you can hear the other person, um, and that other person is somewhat good, just because that helps. You know, you know I remember I sent people to tape again because, you know, hey, they can't really, they shouldn't really tape with their mother because it's really distracting. You know, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, and what about though, like even in the size of the performance, do you feel people are either not making enough choices or they are working way too hard? Do you feel like there's an overall? Consensus? I mean, that's but yeah, that, that, that that's not sort of a problem that's indicative of self tapes. Yeah, that's a, that's a problem indicative to performances. Yeah, you know, right. <laughs> you know. But you don't feel like with self tapes when people are their own. Uh, the person they're they're watching their own tapes and deciding what should go on. Have you noticed that something? No, because I don't know what else is. I don't know what I don't know what else didn't make it on. Yeah. So I'm only seeing what I see. Sure. And I may see sometimes like, oh, that person's an overthinker, yeah. or that person that that, but that happens in anything. Right. You know, in in uh, in 
in room auditions and even when I'm watching a TV show. Absolutely. I can sort of pick some, some, sometimes that, some, some of that out. So what kind of stuff are you working on now? I know like when I first met you, it was Cold Case, uh, but what are was you, it? I think that was the first. Uh, really? Maybe, yeah. I think it was the first one. Um, probably. It's long ago. God. Yeah. Um, Get old. But what's what's going on? Uh, like what kind of work are you doing now? What are you enjoying? Like. Well, for some reason, I've been casting a lot of Christmas movies. I guess the only thing is getting made. So I'm casting a Christmas Christmas movie right now. Christmas movie getting cast in January. I love it. I love it. Right. I know. Well, the reason why there's lots of outdoor like ice skating. Oh, perfect. But the yeah. problem is it's pilot season, so <laughs> no one wants to go away. Yeah, it's in Massachusetts. I've uh, been doing a lot of that. I've also ventured into writing. Wonderful. So I've been I've sold. Uh, Four or five projects that I'm sort of amidst writing another one right That's now. Exciting. So, yeah, it's actually, yes, I you know it's like this. I also tell actors. I think you also as actors you have to think as other creative entities. We were talking a little mm-hmm. bit about that before as directors, producers, writers, whatnot. And you know, fortunately or unfortunately, I, I go back and forth on this every day. I mean, this is and this part of it, acting, and to some extent casting, but not as much as acting, is a young person's game. Yeah, it just is. Tell me why. Because uh, I guess younger people watch more TV or okay. watch more movies or spend the money more than older individuals. I, I don't know the logistics of it all. I don't even know if it's true, but somebody in a power position determined that was true. So yeah. like that's why you get all these yaw novels and all these yeah. silly stuff that's going on. Um, so it's a young person's game, and I kind of recognized at some point about six, seven, maybe eight years ago that. You know, I ain't getting any younger, you know, and even though I know I could discern acting from any aged actor, mm-hmm. I knew that some people were not going to perceive me being able to do that. Okay. You, know, you become a dinosaur, basically, yeah. for, for, for lack of a better term. Um, so I knew that I sort of needed to branch out into other areas. Sure. So it was always an area that I kind of wanted to get into. And, um, I think very. I thought very logical and strategic about it before I started doing it, and um, it any, sort of paid off. Knock on wood. Is there any? And can you tell us about any of these projects? Oh yeah, three of them. The, the, all all four that I've sold are the three have been made. One is about to be made. So oh, I've had a fantastic. lot of luck. You know, I'm grateful for the luck that I've had. Opportunity needs preparation. Right, but I'm also one of those people too that sort of set out early on that like I know. I didn't want to write anything without it being made. Yeah. So a lot of them, one one I was commissioned to write, they got made, the other two, the other three right now have just been based off ideas that I sold, that we you know, sold. I have a writing partner. Fantastic. Um, var- various writing partners, actually, but one main one, um, who's an actor as well. Um, and we just, you know, been selling them off the ideas and then getting, you know, getting paid to expand on the idea and write the script, which is very fortuitous. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I'm not a big, even in casting, I'm not a big waste, in, I hate to waste time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I feel like you write this whole thing and then like write a script, you spend your heart and soul into it for you know however long it takes and you get it out there and then it's like, yeah, nothing, nothing happens. happens, right. And I'm yep. like, I don't want to expend that energy. I'd rather expend that creative energy on something that actually has a chance of so do you figure out what the marketplace is asking for, or yes. is it the idea of selling that idea yes. ahead of time? So you, know, you, you know who you're selling it to, you know, or who are you presenting it to? I mean, quite frankly, what I did was I had um, um, uh, an executive, production executive, who I've cast a lot of movies for, mm-hmm. and she's just fantastic. She's got a really cool sensibility, and she was doing a lot of different movies, but 
Um, a lot of them, at that point, a lot of they were going indie and some of them going straight to TV, uh, all that, but very wide production entity in terms of what they did. And I just basically said to her, I said, hey, you know, if I were to write some stuff, what movies sell for you? Look, what are your biggest sellers? What you kind know? of answer did you get? I got, I got, quite frankly, the ones who sell the best are female driven thrillers and Christmas movies. Because they repeat and sell, they sell all over the marketplace. Fantastic. Um, and I just said to her, do you mind if I send you two treatments in each area to you at a certain time? Would mm-hmm. you read them and just take a look at them? She was absolutely. Well, what you need is a female-driven thriller set at Christmas. <laughs> you would think. <laughs> Although, I don't, the, the thrill and the Christmas sometimes don't cross over very well in people's minds for some bizarre, I, I think it's a fantastic idea. Murder so, Under the Mistletoe. Exactly, Murder Under the, oh my God, that's a fantastic title. That okay. should be on it. I'm going to bleep Call that part out, right we'll now. work on it later, there it's going to be great. And so I sent, her, I sent her the four very extensive treatments, quite frankly. Um, they were 20 cent, 26, 27 pages long with pictures, the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and that was about a month and a half later from when I talked to her. Um, it was during the holidays, so she said, well, let's just meet after the new year and talk about it. So I went into the meeting, and my writing partner, who had has written stuff before and had some stuff in development, but never some, anything that was greenlit, anything that was made, yeah. and I said to him, this is just gonna be a jerk-off meeting. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's, she's gonna tell us, like, what you did wrong, blah, 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 sure. you know, you just, yeah. you know. and, I, and I, I, honestly, it's what I expected. And she literally walked in and said, she threw two on the table, she goes, I hate those two. She goes, threw one, she goes, I kinda like this one, she goes, and I wanna buy that one. Amazing. And I was like, so when you say buy, what do you mean by buy? What does that mean? <laughs> and she was like, what are you saying? I said, like, you're, going, you're going to Starbucks, you don't just say, give me coffee. You yeah. say, like, yeah, I'm not fat latte. What, like, I don't know what it means. And basically, she was saying, like, you have a very extensive treatment here. You know, once we, we set a deal, I can send, I cut you a check right away because you don't have to do an outline. It's, it's already here. I was like, okay. Did you, I mean, was your background in writing from just working in TV and film for so long and having a good aesthetic? I dabbled you... in writing a little bit when I got out of college. Sure. Um, uh, actually, I wrote something, I'm actually rethinking of rewriting. Um, but nothing made, and then, you know, I read a shitload of scripts. I bet you do. All the time, and I know what I like and sort of what works for me and sort of this is what I went off of. I mean, I know basic, you know, um, Structure and all that stuff, and you know, you have a final draft that really helps. It's the best thing you. in the world. Yeah, it, it does is. everything for you. Um, you know, and I just sort of went off. And I, 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 but also too, you know, when I started writing, I wasn't like my adage was honestly, people can give a shit what I think about certain things. You know, they don't, they don't they don't care what I think about politics. They don't care about think about social mores. They don't. They, no one cares about what I think. Mm-hmm. I like genre pictures that have a message that the, the, the message is sort of underlying. So I never go and approach a project, uh, project oh, I want to make, you know, I want to make a, a movie about the, you know, the deficits in our educational system. Like, and, and that, nope. that will never occurs to me. Cause I, number one, I would never go see that movie. Like, yeah. who, you know, um, and that's just my personal taste. But, um, so I really, when I write, I think very strategically about just sort of story, what makes, people tick what makes people stick with something for two hours interesting I like that that's like sort of that what approach. I approach yeah and then hopefully whatever I have to say I, I mean I have stuff that I want to say but I throw it in kind of subtly and hopefully that comes through Awesome. Yeah. Um, a last couple mailbag questions. A couple questions. What, do you mean, what does that mailbag, mean? Mailbag. Uh, I asked. I asked some of the clients and whatnot for okay. for questions. So there just you go. a couple. Um, Andrew asks. Uh, 
At this point in your career, do you see value in casting low to no budget short films or doing workshops with the SAG After Foundation? Uh, specifically, do you look for undiscovered talent in that kind of way? Um, yeah. Um, I, I actually do classes for the SAG Foundation. That's one, the one or two I do a year. That's usually for them. I like, I like doing that. I feel like that's a great service for SAG to provide. And, and um, I've met some very nice actors out of that program. So it's not just to give back. You do meet people there. Oh yeah, totally all the time. I I, I I never look at as I I never looked at classes as a way to sort of like I, I look at them as an opportunity for me. Yeah. Quite frankly, um, helps you do your job. Helps you do my job. Um, and I I I don't cast short films, and it's just. Uh, Casting something of a lower budget, especially a short film. I listen. I have my issues about short films to begin with. That's because I, I find that sort of subgenre sort of oddly not watchable for some reason. I always find like very few people choose to watch short films yeah, at this sort of festival. And I also think that too. It's like for me, it's you know, no one cares about the casting of a short film. Everybody cares mm -hmm. about like usually the writer director who gets sort of the bump from it. Sure. So I don't really cast that, and you know, it's. It, it takes up a lot of time. The smaller the project, the more time it takes to cast, quite frankly. Interesting. Yeah. Why is that? Because no one wants to do it. Ah, okay. So just having to twist the arms and get the Yeah, just the arms and all that stuff, not getting, you know, phone calls, returns, no one submitting because it's like no money. You know, mm -hmm. don't forget if you're making, if an actor's making like no to small amount of money, imagine how much money the, the agent's going to make. So they're not going to waste their time. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I like that. Um, Katie, I feel like we actually already asked these questions. There's things about oh, postcards Katie. and how many people come in for a role. Um, so I'm going to move on to Alex asks, what would you say is the greatest misconception about casting directors? A few. One, that we hold the keys to the kingdom. You know, we don't. You know, I you know, depending on the job, I very rarely have been like, we're like, oh, I can get you a job or I can give you a job. There's, there's a lot of cooks in the in the kitchen. So that we hold the king, keys to the kingdom, and I think that we what we talked about at the very beginning was this sort of fear that people have of casting directors. We're there. To, I, I firmly believe we're there to collaborate. I think if you go into the audition or going on the self tape in the mindset that you're collaborating on a project, I think it's much more helpful. We are here to work together. Here to work together, and I think that makes probably the actor uh, give a better performance because they're not they're not investing so much in it. You know, I can smell when an actor needs a job right you know right away. There's an extra air of you know of, of I hate to say it, but desperation, and I get it, I understand it, and I sympathize, but it doesn't it doesn't help. It doesn't help getting a job. Yeah. Uh, last one. Uh, sure. Different Brian. I <laughs> mean, I've already okay. asked all my questions. Uh, Brian asks. What do you wish you could get actors to understand? Oh God, I don't know. I mean, that's that's a that's a tough one. I mean, I I, I guess maybe at the end of the day, the reality of what they're doing and, and when they're doing it. Like you know, if you're doing a short film, it's it's an accomplishment, but it's not like you know. Gone with the wind, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think it. I think the better perspective you have on what what you're doing, how you're doing it, um, and where it's going to be, and now you know with everything, so many outlets for all this all this content. The unfortunate thing is that a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff doesn't mean anything anymore. You know, you a lot of people say, "Oh, I got a show on Netflix." Well, 
there's so many shows on Netflix and you, just, you know, it's not the be all and end all anymore. So what means something now? You know, it's, I think, I think to me that's sort of the most, um, for lack of a better word, sad thing about what's happening with the industry. It's like, you know, I think that's sort of just determined by whoever's running the company, you know, whoever's running okay. whatever they, they, because it's so now close to the vest, a lot of things that they want to promote or put their money behind, they do, and, uh, and the audience doesn't have a say. Yeah. You know, like I was watching, like, I, I guess, you know, it's Watchman's not going on uh, yeah. for a second season. And that's all because, it. right. I, you know, part of me is like, well, good for, you know, good for him if he doesn't want to do it. It's his thing. But then also the other part of me says, well, but you spend all this time, and one of the reasons why you put a show like that, especially one season, is to have people watch it and invest in it and, and go along for the journey. I think at some point you owe them a little bit something on that journey. Like, I think you do owe them a cleanup movie. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Something. something Some right. Kind of resolution. Right. Because it's, that's, that's one of the reasons why you put it out there is to get people hooked. Yeah. And it's kind of not great to say, okay, now that you're hooked. I'm good. But I'm good. Spy. You know, I, I think you owe the audience a little bit more. You know, it's like the whole idea about like, you know, I guess Netflix on some of them only does series for like you know three seasons, no matter how well they do. Yeah. You know <laughs> the look on. you just gave me was, it was wonderful. Like, yeah, no, you know what I'm saying? It's like that's not fair. Yeah. You know, I do miss like you know when shows go on. That's why there's something about like what's it? Show I don't think I've ever watched an episode, but like NCIS, it's mm-hmm. like you know, it's consistent. It can continually delivers to its audience. It knows what it is. Yeah. Like that to me is an immensely successful TV show. Oh. Not, not in terms of like, but, but just like in terms of like as TV, as as entertainment, as fodder. That you know, it's just no matter what you deem the quality is the the essence, the the life of that show. I, I am a firm believer that any artistic entity, whether it be a script and or a TV show, has a life of its own. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think we should sort of almost protect that life in terms of, you know. Do another do do a follow up movie for Watchmen, please. <laughs> uh, you know, curb your enthusiasm just came back, and to have the equity of like we spent nine years with these people. This is your ten. There's something really fulfilling about, about that. exactly. I miss those people. Right. I have memories with those people, and it's sad that there's so many. Sh- like I remember that they said Glow is going to end. Like that show, I feel like you could have that go for seven. Well, years. listen, that may go. You know that. You know, you're at the five year contract with that show. It depends on you know they they want if but she was like three. I think it was three. I don't. I yeah, never, and it's just I like watch that show, so I don't know. But some of these where it's just like if they were around longer, I think people would continue their affection right. for it would grow and grow right. and grow and the culture. And I feel it. like that's sort of like taken away some people's affinity for this and what we do. And yeah. you know, I think it's one of the reasons why. Like, why well, am I going to invest in that? Like, it's <laughs> just going to be off and you know. A season and whatnot, and you know. Last question. Sure. Uh, something recent that you've seen that you really enjoyed? Oh, uh, The Outsider on HBO. I'm loving it. It's great. Loving it. I'm like I, my sensibilities runs a little dark. Always dark. Well, that's perfect for this. Yes, perfect <laughs> for this. And I knew Jason Bateman was a good director, but those first two episodes are, are like masterfully directed. They're gorgeous. I mean, they're gorgeous, and they're 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 understated. It's like so, I was I was. Sh- I was so pleasantly shocked that he directed them. Like that's, 
you know, I really put him like I want him to start doing feature films because I want to see what he does in terms of his own thought process. A whole aesthetic where everything oh seems so object, like someone is watching, and it's all just those slow yeah. push-ins and those beautiful insert I, I, shots. I hope that, that together. show will maintain. You know, I have, I have issues with those type of shows because, and the, when the show is sort of something about something that's so sort of fantastical and sort yeah. of out there, the minute you start putting logic on it, it sort of defeats the whole purpose of what drew you to that show to begin with. So it's sort of like. Castle Rock. Yeah. yeah. Castle Rock, the f- first season, I don't know what was going on. I was like, what? <laughs> like, who? The second season, I thought, was like really, really good up to a certain point when they just started explaining everything. And you're just like, oh, that's kind of silly. That's what I'm hoping. It's like, it's Richard Price adapting it. And that guy is such a logic. You know, it's the wire, it's the right. night of, it's process. That you're, My hope is that he is able to wrangle right. that. Fantastic. Well, that's why. That's why I'm a huge fan of the leftovers because the mm-hmm. leftovers sort of ended with the fact that nothing. It doesn't have to be explained. That's yeah. one of the reasons why you like the show. Is, is that's the, what unexplainable. That's was about. Yes, and so to explain that would just sort of defeat its own purpose. Yeah, that that season two prequel with the the, the woman in uh, the prehistoric times and she, she right. she's the baby. <laughs> I love that. I thought that made the show make sense to me of like, oh, oh no. it she doesn't understand sense. earthquakes. Right. Yes. She doesn't understand that that's why everyone's gone. She thinks that that's God or or or, or magic or something beyond her comprehension. Right. And then I'll say, oh, okay, everyone disappearing totally. is something we are not able, able to, to comprehend. comprehend. And that's what the show no, is and about. And no matter how how much we how much we progress in intelligence and in science, there are going to be things we can't explain. Yeah, and that's the beauty of it. And yeah, that was that's why I thought that that meant that show was sort of. So I hopefully the outsider will continue. In that tradition and not try to explain yeah. in some sort of weird like oh he's an alien or something silly awesome yeah. well thank you so much You're for welcome. doing the show this, this has been a p- absolute pleasure happy belated birthday oh, thank you very yes. much enjoy the cake pop and uh, uh, this will get posted really soon thank Thanks, you so guys. much Thank you so much for listening to the episode. Thank you to Michael Testa. Thank you so much for stopping by. And thank you for listening. Don't forget, uh, print out an Oscar ballot, fill it out, send it to industrytownpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, we will be back next week with a new episode. Until then. Thank you.